All right, Pumpheads. We did what we could, but Doug won. He's going to be ending the promotion on April 6th. That means the MAPS Anabolic Workout Program and the Nutrition Survival Guide, which are on massive discount, will no longer be available after April 6th. So if you've been thinking about it, time to stop thinking, time to start doing. Get on mindpumpradio.com, click on the yellow button. Do it now. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. Welcome back to Mind Pump. This is the only podcast that has proven with placebo-controlled, double-blind studies to make you sexy. Oh, yeah. Oh, sexy, baby. Absolute, right. absolute truth. That's the science right there. Uh, I'm here with... Proven. Uh, this, this is Sal Stefano with Adam Schaefer woo, woo. and Justin Andrews. That's me, baby. And uh, we're going to do a Q&A. Yeah. little Q&A. You know what that means. Q&A. <laughs> it's Q&A. Oh, man. Everybody, let's do the <laughs> Q&A. Yeah, voice of an angel. It's like... Um, you know what? It's like listening to... Do you get the, do you get the goosebumps when he I does got, that? I get the goosebumps I got, when he does that. I get that. goosebumps. I get an erection. A lot of stuff happens <laughs> yeah. when we start singing. It's I wonder if our listeners get the same it's thing, It's from too. the Backstreet Boys, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know if you get an erection every time Justin sings. <laughs> <laughs> Please right, don't so, let me know that. Let's do this, dude. Right, I love so, Q&A. Let's, let's start with the first question. This is from uh, A. Campos. A-C-O-C-A-M-P-O-S-S-S. His question is, uh, he wants us to cover... Calf growth and, and I don't know if we're qualified to answer this question. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, is this like a, a, a slight jab? Yeah. yeah. Oh shit! Is he making fun of us, Adam? What? You must no, because yeah. Listen, I'm gonna I'm you gonna re- do that. I'm gonna reveal my secrets for 15 inch plus calves right now because that's, <laughs> no, you know, I, uh, you know, when it comes to calves, I'm sitting on like 13s, but I keep them clean though. You keep them clean. They're yeah. veiny as hell. Yeah, dude. All I do is those jump shoes. What, Remember those things? Or, how much I train, bro? I just all I do, do is I keep adding veins. <laughs> it's just, I think I think it's taking me it's taking me 10 years to add one inch, but I've gotten like hey, that about counts, 15. Though. That's like little millimeter, you know. It's like penises coming millimeter. out of your shorts, bro. Know, that's that's how veins are. Veins everywhere. With, just, uh, just throbbing. <laughs> it's, it's weird. So cover calf calf you know, growth and stem technique. Yeah, like how to stimulate your calf. Well, well I mean, go ahead. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, this is definitely uh, close to home for sure for Sal and I. I mean, Justin's got them calves that he probably does once a year. <laughs> you know, and they look <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Them moo moo. Yeah, going on. Sal and I, I, I can't speak for Sal, but I know I trained my calf a, 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 a bad week. I'm hitting calves three times. Mm-hmm. So a bad week, I'm hitting calves three times. I literally dedicate a training session almost purely to calves where I spend like 40, 45 minutes just training calves. And then the other two times, minimum, I'm adding that into my other routines where I'm given a decent amount of probably putting in 15 sets or so, you know, 12 to 15 sets of a uh, few exercises. Uh, but for me, here's here's the big thing. Well, that, have they grown though? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. So I, they I, might I, they might not be huge, but yeah, they're, they're yeah, bigger yeah. than they were. No, and All you know right. what? It's I, I tell you what, it's probably been uh, in the last couple of years. I've, I have gotten um, you know noticeable change in compliments that oh my god, look at you actually have you know reasonably uh, not so small calves anymore. <laughs> yeah. They were like <laughs> abnormally. Remember they were so abnormally small. small, you know, which made my cock look even huger. But now, oh my god. you know, yeah. but but now now, now they're coming. I see up. how I see how this works. Everything. Like make you make it smaller so your cock. Yeah, bigger. exactly. I but, but they got you. Yeah, they're starting to balance some, illusions. Yeah, they're starting to balance themselves yeah. out a bit. But uh, you know, a couple things. Smart that, dude. That is, in in the dark, you can't tell which is which. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Unless you feel for it. I, 
I have when That's when I started saying. incorporating oh, yeah. uh, right. the BFR, um, I did notice some uh, significant change there. I also in the, got a, in the calves. Yeah. Okay. I also got away from. Um, <laughs> You know, back in the days, you used to you used to think that oh, you do like high reps, lots of reps, lots of reps with with calves, and you know you kind of neglect training like heavy and low reps. But it's a muscle; it's just like anything else. It needs all different types of stimulation. I think that's the key right there. It is, and I, and I think a lot of I mean, when was the last time you did five reps on calves? Well, I do that. You know, on I'll I'll just like I you know do periodization on all my other workouts and every, with other muscle groups. I do the same thing with my calves. One day I'll come in and it'll be a heavy day, and I'm going to be doing five reps. Um, you know, five to seven sets of, of whatever exercise it is and rotating that. And then the next time I'm going to come in, I'm going to do eight to 12. Mm-hmm. And then the time after that, I might do 15 to 20. Uh, I might throw a supersetting in there. Uh, a couple of keys too also is uh, always to incorporate at least one uh, knee bent uh, yeah, exercise. So like a, yeah, so your your prim- your uh, gastrocnemius. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, yeah, you got it. So gastrocnemius and soleus are your two primary uh, muscles that are, make up the calf. And when you bend your knee at ninety degrees, so when you're in a seated calf raise, uh, you engage more of the soleus. Uh, when you do like your standard standing calf raise, it's uh, primarily your gastrocnemius mm-hmm. that takes most of the load. So making sure that you're incorporating both those in your routine, and, and then just the variation, just like any other muscle. And they're, they're they're stubborn because you're on your feet all the time. So think about that. So your calves look the way they look because you utilize them on a regular daily basis, and that that's what they that's basically what it takes for them to well, propel you through your normal. Well, day. I'm going to take that a step further because that's what a lot of people say. They say, "Oh, your calves. Uh, the reason why it's so hard for them to grow is because you're always walking on them." And of course, there are people who just get massive calves. So, number one, it seems to be one of the and now all your muscles. There's a genetic component, but it seems that calves is like the biggest one, right? Like, there's some people that just have massive calves, don't even work out, and then there's those of us that got to mm-hmm. train the shit out of them just to get you know a quarter inch of growth. Um, number one, if your calves are short. I hate to break it to you, they're never going to really be big because they're they're short. They're not. You don't have a long muscle belly. But if you do have a long muscle belly, then that means there's some potential there. In terms of why they're so stubborn or why they're so notoriously stubborn, well, you know, we got to think about it this way. What benefit or what disadvantage would massive calves give uh, humans um, in, from an evolutionary standpoint? Think about that. If you live in a savanna and you do lots of running, lots of you know, moving, having big calves might actually uh, decrease your it's the efficiency. your endurance it, so much. It, absolutely. And if you look at like some of the some of the best long distance runners like Kenyans, for example, so there's certain tribes in Kenya that just break every single record. They've got these really long spindly legs. And number one, there's more surface area um, when you have a smaller leg. So you, you disperse heat better and it's more efficient. Um, and then you've got some of the, you know, Nordic um, you know, Viking. Yeah, you look at like strong men and they have these big, big thick legs. Um, well, you know, they their ancestors probably evolved in really cold climates and that that larger size retained heat a little better. So um, I think that we just evolved beating the shit out of these muscles and um, they had to be resistant to growth. Otherwise, you'd have people walking around with 21 inch calves all the time, which would get in the way of you trying to run down the gazelle. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's a, it's a muscle like any other. Just train it hard. Um, I think the number one reason why most guys uh, don't have nice calves or good calves is because they don't fucking train them like they do their biceps. Oh yeah, exactly. It's just, just a fact. It's because they're it's boring. It's not as much fun to train your calves. But I I look at calves. Calves for guys are like glutes for girls. I feel like. And just you made a good point, um, which I'm not sure how many people understood that with the uh, understanding the like the origin and insertion of a muscle. So. 
Um, you know, you have you have your and I'm going to use butt because everybody can relate to that. The, you know, girls that are guys, girls and guys that have a flat butt, you know, typically have a long origin insertion. So and that's a genetic thing. I mean, you just nothing you can do to change that. Now, can you make that long origin insertion butt grow and be bigger and look more shapely? Absolutely. But obviously, somebody who has a short origin insertion is going to have more of that bubble butt look, just mm-hmm. like your calves. Same thing. So I have a very short origin insertion, which does not bode well for someone who's tall and lanky. And so it makes my calves. So my calves, like, I like they get like this little, they look like a little ball, you know, mm-hmm. they, get, they don't get longer or bigger because you can't change your origin insertion. So, and some guys you'll see the, their calves go like all the way down to their ankles to where they yeah, have, like, Justin's, ankle. Justin's got some long calves. Yeah, he does. His go yeah. all the way down to his, his ankles where mine are real high all the way up. Uh, it's the five inch heels though and jump rope. Oh, okay. That's how I do it. Was, heels? Yeah. I like that. Let's yeah. try that, Adam. Yeah. You first. <laughs> so, uh, next question. Uh, this is from the Brett Matthew. Um, the B-R-E-T-T Matthew. Now he wants, and he's asked us this question before. We didn't get a chance to get to it, but I think it's an important one. He wants us, number one, to explain muscle imbalances and then how they relate to your physique and how they look and the rest of the body. So if you have like a muscle imbalance, how does it affect the rest of your body in terms of the way it develops? Oh yeah, that's yeah. So I think he actually posted this on my page originally after I did the post on my uh, back, my rear shot. Yeah, yeah. And so, right, what's a muscle imbalance? I guess first would be well, a, an imbalance means symmetry. Yeah, it's just it's it, it could be a couple things, right? One of the one of them is that it's there's an imbalance. Uh, one one like let's use my back for example. Maybe one uh, one lat is greater in size than the the other side. So my left side may be more dominant than right. So typically you do a lot of exercises where like let's say a seated row, you're grabbing a hold of a handle with both both arms and you're pulling this machine or whatever but then just naturally your body is going to want to pull with the more dominant side and it, this is the a lot of people don't realize this but lifting weight 60 percent of lifting weights is mental uh, and learning how to mentally engage you know equally and evenly distribute you know the weight as you pull which is, is a bit challenging and not a lot of people do that they go and this is also why i'm not a huge fan of beast mode and all this shit that we always talk about on social media platforms it's like you know what you're you're gonna get so much more bang for your buck if you should concentrate when you work out and focus on on squeezing and staying balanced so what it'll end up happening is if you don't ever address it you'll continue to develop that way and i see this all the time in fact i just right. helped somebody in the gym the other day because I caught them doing uh, more weight with one arm than the other arm, and I'm like, "What the fuck are they doing?" They were literally doing that. Yeah, like five, a five pound dumbbell, and you know, I asked the lady uh, what she was doing. She's like, "Oh, yeah, I know. I have an injury in this arm, so I can't do that much weight." And I said, "Well, here, this we what we don't want to do is just because that's injured and the other one or is is stronger. You don't want to continue to." Uh, perpetuate that by mm-hmm. lifting a heavier weight with that. I said, you st- whatever whatever weight you can handle with the injured one or whatever it is that you can do, you need to stick that with the dominant and don't do more repetitions because then you're going to create a major imbalance. And that imbalance is just going to cause other issues. I mean, it's the, well, the whole body's connected. Yeah, everything's yeah. connected. So if you have an imbalance on your bicep and your bicep plays a huge role in all your pulling movements, that's going to probably end up relating translating into something with your back too. Well, from a movement standpoint, uh, there there's imbalances also. Um, you know, as right. trainers, when we do our um, our assessment. Yeah, I'll give you an example. If I have someone, we'll use the example of a row again. If I have someone do a row and I'm doing a, a, a upper body assessment, and I notice that when they row the the bar, their shoulders shrug. Yeah, they're elevating their shoulders up. Yeah, they're elevating their shoulders, or their shoulders are not their their scapula, their shoulder blades are not retracting back all the way. Then I know that there's probably what's called lat dominance, mm. um, where the lats are doing most of the movement. So with a person like that, what you do is you'd go lighter. 
and you'd focus on changing the muscle recruitment pattern. Mm-hmm. You'd focus first on getting the proper recruitment pattern, proper getting that proper form, and then adding weight from there. Otherwise, what ends up happening is if you just continue, like Adam was saying, uh, you're going with the dominance. Exactly, that's you just all you're doing. you develop the you you continue to develop the imbalance, right? Well, and that's the up. thing is your your body your body is always going to make like whatever movement that you're doing. It's going to try and make it the most efficient way, like make it happen the most efficient way Great it can. Point. So it's like if you're training it. Uh, to just lift more weight, then that your body is going to get efficient at doing that. That doesn't mean that you're doing it uh, the best way. The best way you're not engaging the right muscles in that lift. So. That's a great point, and that's 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 something that has to happen. Your body evolved to understand movements, to not understand muscle. When you go pick up a mug, you don't think in your brain, you know, deltoid, bicep, forearm, you know, flexors, right. lift. Your your brain only knows I need to lift this mug. Well, yeah. if you have a torn bicep. Your brain will still say lift the mug. It'll just in- yeah, engage it'll other muscles. Different. It'll do it the simplest path possible yeah, for yeah, itself. Exactly. Minus the bicep that's torn. Yeah. So a lot of it has to do with looking at the way you move, looking at your form with certain exercises. And for you personal trainers out there, let me let me tell you something. The absolute most effective way to get a client to hire you on your goal assessment is to do a proper assessment and to identify and point out muscle imbalances and how you correct them. Oh, yeah. Because um, it's it's not it's a misunderstood uh, factor and it builds lots of value in what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Another another thing that related to that too is understanding over and underactive like muscles and correctively stretching and, and fixing them that way too. So a lot of times, um, you could be starting to build a dominance like you talked about with the shoulder elevation and you know stretching and working that out, opening opening that up. Because what's going to happen is if you're doing something. So this this is kind of what happened to me with uh, my tricep. So I had the major elbow pain. And even though this is probably less of an imbalance and more of a, an overactive muscle, but it can later, later on cause uh, an imbalance if I don't address it. So uh, let's say what I was doing, um, one of my shows, I was really focusing on my chest and my shoulders. And I, w- I was really picking the volume up on it. So I was doing a lot of chest and shoulders throughout the week. And then on top of that, I'd have my normal uh, one day a week where I'd hit buys and tries. And what that was, I was literally having like six days a week that my tries were really having to work, you know? And so it, they were getting so tight that they were, it was pulling, you know, I can just mm-hmm. feel this pain in my elbow. Now, if I don't address that and fix it by correctively stretching it, working it, massaging it out, doing a self myofascial release, then what happens if I continue to go through these exercises, then my body will start to continue to try and perform, but it, it's not going to perform the way it should, evenly distributing all the weight like it's supposed to, which I've done for many, many years when I do like over overhead press or a chest press now because those triceps are so tight and they can't move through full range of motion like they were before now all of a sudden other muscles are having to engage and work differently which that can start to cause an imbalance also so being able to feel and understand this is all goes back to why i'm so uh anti-ego lifting you know that's to me i feel like um you know and i know we always constantly pick on crossfit but I mean, it, when you when you lift so heavy, so hard, and uh, erratically like that, that's there's 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 a place for lifts like that. But it's way down the road, yeah. and you're where you need to be uh, mentally and and uh, as far as your experience and training, like you really need to understand how to engage the body properly and to be able to see these things because not a lot of people can feel that or understand that. I mean, we're 
we used to, I mean, listen, we all get these problems. We all have imbalances. I just did that post the other day about me having to address it myself. Fuck, I'm a trainer. This is what I do yeah, for a so living. so imagine if so you're if just it, some regular exactly, dude. Exactly. This yeah. happens to me. I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm not like I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to prevent that as much as I possibly can. And it still happens to me. So imagine the average Joe who's lifting and doesn't really uh, maybe not be as in tune with their body. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this is where you talk about serious injuries and shit that happens later on. I used to do this analogy with people since upper cross syndrome is the most common syndrome found in people, right? Protracted trigger and a forward head. And basically that's all these, the, the tight muscles up in your, your chest, your anterior delts, and it's causing the rounding of the body because we do everything in front of us, right? You're on the computer, you drive, we do everything. Yeah, so it's that slump, it's kind of that slunched kind of, you know. Yeah, whole, and so I used to, this was part of my assessment and presentation is I'd show people, you know, I'd, I'd stand up and I'd show them what neutral spine alignment looks like and say, okay, this is where the anatomical position is. This is where we should be. And this is where we are right now at 30 or 40, whatever. And then if you continue and we don't address this, you're you're in that position. And then at 50, then 60, then 70, and then you 80. You turn into a pill bug. And well, and then or, I, what are those things? Well, yeah. Then, yeah. I would, then, I would, then I would pretend like Rolling I'm police. walking around on a walker. And I said, that, you know, those people that you see that are 70, 80, 90 years old and are walking with these walkers, they didn't wake up and fucking get that way. No, no. You know, Gravity didn't to, just all of a sudden ex- smash them. Exactly. 10 years before that, they were almost that bad. 10 years before that, they were almost that bad. And Ten years before that, you yeah, know, and it's just uh, progressively uh, gotten worse without ever addressing absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. And I, I've had like some frustrating conversations with like elder people, like family people that um, wanted to wanted to understand, like, okay, how do I how do I get a better posturing, and how do I um, how do I alleviate certain pains and joint pains and these things? And I tell them, you got to strengthen these muscles and these specific muscles, and you got to do the work. And they just they, they, they thought that there was some sort of stretching and therapy that, that they could go through that wasn't like, you know, lifting weights. And it wasn't like, I'm like, no, no, no. Right. You, can you I try acupuncture? They start asking all those things. Yeah, you need, need to get, get, just get like stronger <laughs> and support your spine and be upright, yep. you know, and move. You can't. You can't go through life like trying to, well, to you, relax. You, you can always tell the guys in the gym what the imbalance is. First of all, uh, they're your classic. They look like your classic meathead. They walk around forward shoulders, big chest, uh, wide back but flat. Um, they look like they're you know it's like the imaginary lat syndrome guys, and they're walking around. They look really tight. Um, they don't look put together well. Um, you know when you're when you're free of imbalances or when you at least target imbalances, you have a very um, complete physique the way it looks at least. It looks put together well, and the person moves well. Um, second, you'll know you'll know people have imbalances when you talk to someone and they'll say something like, "Oh, I used to barbell squat, but I can't anymore because it hurts my knees." Or I used to bench press my shoulders, yeah. and it's like, "Well, that's not the well, exercise." You never addressed exactly. it back then, right? Yeah. Right. So, how, how about like, uh, have you guys ever looked at like a like a badass wrestler or an MMA fighter, like how how forward they are because they do they do everything? Right. Oh, everything. because they, they're it's your it's how you stand with your hands. And up, a right? lot of people don't, and you don't realize this because we look at their, we look at their bodies and they're super ripped, body fat percentage wise, stuff like that, but. But there's some serious imbalances that are going on because, and that's for all sports. A lot of people don't realize oh, this. Yeah. It's sports not, are not healthy it's for not our good. body. It's one of the craziest things to explain Long to some term. people. Are like, you think that just because someone's a professional athlete that they're in the best shape ever because aesthetically they may look like it, but when you're doing repetitive movements over and over and you're not balancing the body out, you know it, it, what's going to happen is you're going to have these imbalances and it will cause injuries or issues later on in life if mm-hmm. you don't figure out how to correctly fix them and mm-hmm. do something about them. So exactly. Perfect. All right. Next question. This is from uh, Mr. What is that? Mr. Bicky Robbie. Ricky. Ricky Bicky. Mr. Bicky Robbie. So he wants to know. Um, he's asking about working out while sick. What happens? So I guess I'll, I'll go into that real quick. Um, 
so with exercise, exercise in the long term um, stimul- uh, strengthens the immune system. So if you work out on a regular basis, you will have a stronger immune system. However, however, it is inflammatory. Well, it's inflammatory, and in the short term, yes, it weakens your immune system. Yes. So if somebody were to do some blood tests on you, you know, right before you work out and right after you work out, they'll notice um, that your immune system has declined just slightly. So if you're fighting something and you're like, mm, I think I'm kind of sick. And you go and you do crazy hardcore workout, you're gonna make yourself really sick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're kind of sick, it's probably best to work out very lightly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you are feeling sick, it might be a good idea to not work out because uh, you know missing one workout is better than missing a week. And I'm speaking from personal experience. I've done this to myself mm-hmm. a billion times uh, I because we, I think we all have because we're all addicted to working out. Yeah, oh, yeah. because you think I have, you're gonna lose your gains and all these things. Well, like, I tend to train. I tend to train my clients better than I train myself sometimes. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't feel good. Fuck it. I'm gonna work out anyway. Take some extra caffeine. <laughs> I know. And then I isn't that, isn't that funny how we work? Oh, I, I think we all are like that. I think that we, you know you preach it all day well, long. Just like yeah, taps into the ego and you're like, ah, yeah, I'm yeah. not sick. We're, dude. Victim, we're victims of it too. So, yeah, yeah. I, but I, there, I think there's it's okay. Um, and it really comes down to how sick you are, like you said. I think if you're, you know, a little cold or this or that, you just should listen to your body. You don't need that. That probably isn't the day you want to you train. Go lower intensity. Yeah, yeah, that's the day. That's it. I, I think we always uh, we think that um, working out has to always be this super intense thing. There's so right. many, there's so many great things that you can everyone do. has to be an epic oh, yeah. battle and an adventure. Yeah, if not your your live sauce. If you yeah. didn't, if you didn't not almost throw up or your knees aren't shaking before you you know I people always ask me too like how often you train well, seven days a week I'm in the gym and they're like oh well don't you need to rest and isn't rest so important and this and that well yeah well, I listen to my body if that's what you're saying so right. you know if I feel sick and tired or I feel sore everywhere I don't go yeah. in and blast it yeah. still anyway so I might go in and do flexibility and stretching and maybe some low intensity cardio and maybe some ab work but it's you know? still like, movement you're not just laying on the couch yeah and that's probably one of the best things you can do because you are you know promote more blood more oxygen more nutrients getting flowing through your body so it's, go- it's going to help and it can help if you're if it's like a mild cold type of deal if right. you're if you're freaking like bedridden sick like you're kind of a weirdo if you get up and yeah. go try and yeah. well <laughs> I, I had a, I, contaminate my, everybody else around <laughs> you in the process yeah, thanks right. a lot yeah well <laughs> my, my client you. if you ever talk to any Typhoid of my clients Mary. i've sent so many clients home because they've come in i heard i hear their voice you know in their in their voice that they're a little congested or they're coughing mm-hmm. and i'll send them home I'll yeah. send them home that day because I, I and I, I've done it so many times where where the client's like, no, I really want to work out. No, I feel good. I'm really and we'll train. And then sure enough, next session, they cancel because they're sick. Yeah. And I know I tipped the scale. I tipped the balance from an immune system that was fighting something off to now I've weakened it temporarily just enough to mm-hmm. let that Make virus or whatever yeah. kick That's in. It. So I'd say if you're feeling sick, you know, do a real light workout. If you're actually sick, you probably shouldn't work out. All right, so we're on our last one. Andre Drog, is that what it says? All right, let's do it. Let's go into that. Um, so, Art Andre, or Andre, Andre underscore Drog. Andre underscore Drog. Um, he wants. To, he asked, and this is an easy one, he wants to know about the different types of creatine and which ones are best. So, here's the deal. So you got what, monohydrate? Here's the deal. Uh, about 99.9% of all the science that showed, and by the way, there's a lot of, creatine probably has. Some of the most studies on for sure. It's the most studied ergogenic supplement that there is. It's just, there's there's so many studies, it's not even funny. And it's unequivocally effective. Mm-hmm. It works. It's good for you. It, sh- it shows antioxidant properties. They're showing that it's good for the brain, that it's good for the heart. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the future, in the, sh- in the near future, they start recommending it to people to take just for health. Forget about building muscle, just take it for health. They're all done with creatine monohydrate. 
Um, what happens in, in the market, especially with supplements, is when there's something that's effective, um, then other companies want to the best way. Yeah, uh, they want to jump on it. Yeah, and they want it their ways better. Right? Yeah, they want to tweak it like yeah. whey, whey protein. Right when that first came out, it was this big deal. It's really good for you, high in glutamine, mixes real well. Now, and then all of a sudden, it was like you know, cross flow, you know, cross flow filtration and concentrated, yeah, isolated, isolated, and it's in a way, you know, different types of way. Same thing with creatine. But you know, here's the deal: um, no other form of creatine has been shown to be more effective than creatine monohydrate. Now, other forms have been shown to be as effective, and there's some have shown to be less effective. Creatine ethyl ester, for example, has been shown to be less effective than creatine monohydrate. Um, some of them, like creatine, like crealkaline, which uh, you know, lots of people say oh, it's the best one because it's buffered. It's a buffered creatine. It's attached to a salt. Um, yeah, if you put it in a glass of water, but guess what? You swallow it, goes in your stomach. The buffering doesn't do shit anymore. Um, it doesn't do anything. Your body breaks it down to this exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really doesn't do anything. If you find some creatines don't upset your stomach or you're one of those people that tends to be real sensitive, then I guess go for it. But creatine monohydrate is inexpensive. It's proven um, and it works. And again, there could be some form of creatine that's out there that might degrade into something that might not be so good for you. And there's not any studies on it. So no matter how many times a supplement company tells you it's awesome and it's great and you're paying an extra $30 for our creatine because it's superior, there's nothing supporting it. So I have a tough time spending money on something. Well, like it, it, I kind of look at it like the same way that I give clients uh, recommendations for proteins in, in, in like your ways, like you were just saying, is you know, you're, you're really starting to split hairs when you start getting in. Like, there's going to be so many companies, they run these studies to show that, like you just said, that there's a, oh, my, ours breaks down at a faster rate or a better rate or it's going to protect till it gets, it's like, okay, dude, like really the, the biggest difference. Great big, marketing. Yeah, it is. The, here's the, the, the biggest difference is making you're going with a reputable brand. Just like I would yeah. say with whey protein and like that also, like the difference of, um, you know, all the, the isolates, the concentrates and all the monohydrates and, and getting all crazy about that. Like seriously, like, you know, go with a reputable brand um, and be consistent about it. I mean, make sure you, if you're doing it, lining up your nutrition, because honestly, if you're doing that and then your nutrition's all over the place, like the, the effects that you're really going to get from are so minimal. It's, uh, it's not worth, uh, focusing that much on, you know, there's so many other things that should be addressed before, you know, getting into this debate. And I know someone's probably listening to me like, Oh, and they have their argument because they read some study yeah. that, that proved that whatever, uh, but it's, I'm telling you right now, it's not the, that big of a difference. Those are always fun conversations. Yeah. You know, it's okay, dude, you know, yeah. you can go. <laughs> Go that route, bro. Tell me, tell me how many, how much more gains you get by. by no, you know what they'll do is they'll take like a uh, beaker. It's always anecdotal too. Yeah, yeah. Well, they'll take a beaker with water or whatever, drop different kinds of creatine, and show. Oh, look, this one is better. Look, that's not your your body's not a beaker of water or whatever. So the studies done on humans, uh, no other form of creatine has has been shown to be more effective than good old fashioned creatine monohydrate. Yeah, don't snort it. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. For more information about this show and to get valuable free resources from Sal, Adam, and Justin, visit us at www.mindpumpradio.com. Until next time, this is Mind Pump.